I met once with a woman who was desperate to fix her daughter. Her daughter had been in and out of drug rehab clinics, and her mother was frankly perplexed with her constant negativity. And what this woman said to me is, you know, sometimes I think the problem with my daughter is that she's attached to her pain. I was also at a seminar once, and I walked in on a speech that another speaker was giving. And the topic of that speech was why chronic pain patients sabotage their treatments and act like they don't want to get better because they like their pain. This concept that people somehow like their pain and are therefore attached to their pain is a pervasive concept in the spiritual communities, the psychology communities, and the self-help communities. It is a pervasive concept that is causing so much damage that this narrative has to change immediately. Let's get something out of the way very quickly, shall we? People do not like their pain. They do not like being in pain. End of story. When we talk about attachment, there is this implication that a person has some dark affection or fondness for their pain, and that this penchant for pain keeps a person fastened or connected to pain. This is just wrong. When it seems like somebody won't let go of something that you judge as painful, whether it's a belief or some behavior or some strategy or whatever it is, the reason that they won't let go of it is because they perceive themselves to be in a situation where they will in fact be in more pain without it. They may be wrong about that, or they may in fact be right about that. What this essentially means is that that thing that you judge as painful, they perceive to be decreasing their pain in some way. So you can't say that they're attached to their pain if they're trying to decrease it. So that you can understand exactly what I mean, I've got three very solid examples. One, Marjorie suffers from chronic pain. She shows up at her doctor appointments and she complains about how much pain she's in. But when her doctor gives her treatment ideas, or exercises to try, or remedies, she won't engage in those treatments. She won't follow through. So her doctor's at a place now where he's wondering, you know, I think Marjorie wants to be sick, and I'm just wasting my time here. Marjorie is not faking this situation. She's actually in very real pain. But what's underneath this entire chronic pain dynamic is that she's totally isolated. Marjorie believes that nobody cares about her at all, that nobody wants to be in her company, that nobody would benefit by being around her. And this causes her literally so much distress that it is corroding her body. Because of this, she has to find backdoor strategies to be cared about. The only time that anyone ever cared about her as a child was when she was sick. She doesn't want to be in pain, and she doesn't want to be sick, but being in physical pain and being sick, if it means that she gets to have some company at her doctor's visits and she gets cared for and paid attention to, is less pain than the alternative. This means staying sick and deliberately keeping herself in this position to have to keep coming back for these doctor's appointments is in fact decreasing her level of pain. And if she were to follow through on her treatments and get better, and so she would no longer have to go to the doctor, She's just back in the worst pain of complete isolation again. Or so she thinks. Two, Justine is 15 years old. Justine routinely engages in self-harming behaviors, most especially cutting and burning. Her parents are completely perplexed at why anyone would want to do this to themselves. They're so perplexed that they immediately seek out psychological help to figure out what the hell is wrong with their daughter. 
they're completely convinced that Justine's problem they're going to try to fix is the fact that she somehow has some desire or addiction for or to pain. But that's not her problem. The problem is that the household that Justine lives in makes her miserably unhappy. She feels like no one sees her, no one understands her needs, and therefore she will never have any needs met. She's alone even when her family members are in the room. She is not important, and therefore she feels like she has no reason to live. But on top of this, another dynamic in this household that Justine lives in is that there is a zero-tolerance policy towards a negative emotion of any kind. See, Justine's parents have a very solid truth, and that's that they're really good parents, and that's that Justine has a very good life. Because of the way that they have formed this belief about themselves, and they're unwilling to experience any other reality outside of that, they already know that if Justine has an issue, it's not because of them and it's not because of the life she leads, it's because there's something wrong with her. This means that no matter what strategy Justine uses to try to get her parents to change something so that she feels better, they are both unresponsive. The idea that they want to maintain about themselves and about their life is more real and more important to them than seeing the reality of their daughter is. Because of this, self-injury is not Justine's way of being in pain. It's her way of trying to decrease the pain she's in on a daily basis. For example, because both of her parents are so incredibly unresponsive, abusing herself or creating physical injury that's pretty shocking is a way of escalating the message of desperation in the hopes that maybe that will cause them to change or see how much pain she's actually in. Two, when she's in this much pain on the inside, but outside it sort of seems like everything's fine, right? It's a bit of a gaslight. So the way that she tries to mitigate that gaslight by injuring herself is to make it so that there's this alignment on the outside and the inside of what is the truth about her and how she feels. Three, when in a household like this there is no tolerance for negative emotion, anytime Justine goes to express negative emotion, it's immediately turned against, and they push it right back into her. And this creates this atmosphere of, I can't express pain, and so it's just poison within me. And so when Justine cuts herself and watches the blood flow, that blood leaving the body feels like the toxicity of her negative emotions leaving the body. Justine doesn't want to be in pain. She doesn't like it. And when people say she's attached to her pain, she's right back in that torment of not being seen or understood. The pain of being in emotional hell and alone because her parents have already decided that the truth is that she isn't in hell. She's fine. The pain and the experience of her self-injury is something that decreases the pain that she is in. It is an attempt to self-preserve in a home environment that is both dysfunctional and also destructive. Three, Mitch is driving people crazy. People don't like spending time around Mitch. They describe him as negative. He is constantly focused on what is bad and wrong, and believe me, he never misses an opportunity when someone feels really happy about something to remind them of the actual negative truth of that situation that they're in. He can floor them in half a second. Mitch doesn't actually like this feeling of seeing the world in such a negative light. He would like to feel good about life and about, you know, existence and other people. But it's a lot easier said than done. The problem is that several times over the course of Mitch's life, he experienced catastrophic blows to his belief in others, his hopes, his dreams, his goals, his trust, his faith, 
his desires, and his positive expectations. These blindsiding and crushing experiences were so psychologically and emotionally traumatizing that Mitch decided a state of positivity is inherently vulnerable and is an invitation for pain he can't actually handle. Subconsciously, he decided that he has to buffer himself against and protect people against positivity at all costs. So Mitch is actually using negativity as a buffer against more pain. What any example of a person maintaining a painful belief or a painful strategy or a painful behavior will show you is that you can't say that somebody likes pain and you can't say that they're attached to their pain. What you can say is that they are using a painful strategy to attempt to reduce or avoid worse pain. To understand more about this, I want you to watch my video titled, There is no such thing as self-sabotage. If we don't get this through our head really, really quickly, we're going to do nothing but add to people's pain. We're going to prove that we don't get it. And by not getting it, we made ourselves part of the problem. Not only that, we left them alone in their pain. Also, we will start to corrode their self-concept by propagating this absolutely idiotic idea that something is wrong with a person unless they just decide to feel differently. We will also continue to make them feel condemned and forsaken to suffer by implying that we think they derive pleasure from something that actually is so painful for them that they would choose pain to get out of that pain. And it is an absolute guarantee that we will have no way of actually doing the actual right thing to get them out of pain altogether. No one likes being in pain and no one is attached to their pain in the way that we mean it when we often say they're attached to their pain. We need to stop propagating this idea and therefore, because of their connotation, we need to stop using these words that people are attached to their pain. This week I ask you to join me in this understanding. Have a good week.